Hey folks, thanks for rejoining. Twitter is 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 twittering right now. That was a whole mess, but we're back. Uh, I'm reinviting everybody to speak and to be co-hosts. Michelle, you have your invite to speak. And Maya Lindsay, you have your co-hosts. Michelle, we can give it a quick second so people can can rejoin us. Uh, and then you can go ahead. No worries. Um, just um, as an aside, so as we're talking about these issues, there were just gunshots outside my house. This is crazy. I also wonder, Michelle, before we jump back into you, like how much of it has to do with how individualistic the United States is? Like, it's just like, it, it just, we're so much out for like, I'm going to protect me and mine at all costs. All right, you can go ahead, Michelle. Um, I what I was saying is that I was I've been reading this study from like Harvard Law School and they're talking about how like mass shootings to your point are men but that it's rooted in a hatred of women um and many mass shooters cite their rage towards women usually stemming from rejection as a motiv- motivating factor and many mass shooters have a history of domestic violence stalking and other threatening it acts and violent acts towards women um and, you know, we can, it kind of goes into that. And I think for me, it's like, we have studied the hell out of this. We know what we know, we know what it is, right? Like we've studied it. We know what are some of the root causes. I mean, Jasmine, to the point you just made about the individualistic society that we have. But from where I sit as someone who is a policymaker, who is a lawmaker, who is a problem solver by nature, by virtue of the work that I do, I'm tired of reading studies. I'm tired of having these conceptual conversations of like, well, why does this happen? There, We know, like we know why it is now. I'm like, what are we going to do about it? And, you know, I know that, um, I know that, you know, we can't legislate, you know, morality and all of those kinds of things. But at some point, where is the political will that is needed? Um, all of these things that all of these simple, you know, we just call for a special session here in Florida, you know, for to deal with gun violence. All of these things are very simple things, you know, comprehensive universal background checks, making sure that regulating access to high powered um, ma- magazine rifles, uh, expanding the red flag laws. These are not acts of Congress that you need to do. These are very simple things. And so when we're thinking about the, about the root cause to me it always this this whole conversation to me especially when i'm speaking to my colleagues is about political will and many folks especially who sit on the other side of the aisle don't have political will don't have the courage and don't have the depth of humanity to say fuck it i don't care if i'm not going to getting the nra's money this is about our people and keeping them safe Maxwell and Susan and Mei Ling, do y'all want to talk about like 
the issue with men related to to guns? I think the only um, opinion I have really on it is white male toxicity. Um, I feel like at my I going to Stoneman does this for the four years that I went. I definitely saw how um, how I would. You know, I remember this one instant where this boy, um, this white boy was pretty much just saying, like, just saying the N-word casually among friends and pretty much telling me that he had his, he was able, he was allowed to say it, his black friends allowed him to say it. And I remember I told him, like, tried to educate him on why he shouldn't do it, which is the polite way to do so, versus just cussing him out. And I remember there being an argument, like there was an actual genuine debate on why he wasn't allowed to even though he understood that it was wrong and you know he even brought up like his family pretty much told him that really doesn't matter you know and I feel like a lot in in a lot of those spaces that toxic ignorant mindset is is what feeds white supremacy it's and especially like in men and in young boys and it breeds that hatred um it breeds that hatred a lot of people use bullying um as an excuse for these mass shootings but not realizing if you ask the the students at the school about what they know of the shooter prior to the person before they shot someone whether they knew with them um or as classmates of that person there's proof that he has aggravated other students has said controversial things has said racist comments has gotten into fights have abused animals on campus like there's very sick it's a very sick 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 mindset that they have that um that that is breeded within them and that care that they're willing to carry out such a terrible act and i feel like that has something to do with it even though you know we speak about mental health i feel like we should really talk about like really have conversations with the family <laughs> um no one really likes to talk to the parents and the parents don't really want to talk either but there needs to be some psychological um conversation about toxic white masculinity Yeah, you know, I'd love to build on that. I This is something I, I, I think about a lot and I've looked into because, you know, to put some numbers to it, like, I mean, men, could, I think it's like 90, over 90% of all gun violence is men, um, which is staggering. And then, like, you know, at first when I read those numbers and I looked into it, I was like, okay, well, you know, that has to do with, yes, toxic masculinity um, around that culture. But then I was like, but also you know, to toxic masculinity exists around the world. And we're the only country that has this problem at that level. So then I was like, there has, there's something specific here about American toxic masculinity. And then we open up this can of worms, which I won't dig in too much, but about the way men view themselves in this country, the way that we are trained up. And there's something around power and ownership that's connected to the way our country operates and being kind of like a colonial empire and that being passed on to our sons 
um, into, into men in this country and that being interwoven with that toxic masculinity. So it's like a different breed of it that's different. And I think that really leads into the, the, the shootings, right? And when you look at, you know, when people report out why they purchase weapons and stuff like that, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the power of quote unquote protection that is rooted in that toxic masculinity. And, you know, a lot of times a gun just gives you a, a sense of power. Um, and men in this country like to have power over other people, especially women and uh, and, and just, you know, LGBTQ plus uh, folks as well. Right. Just anyone that's not like a cis male. So it's something that I think is important to look into, especially as we're talking about evidence based community violence intervention. That's why so many of the most successful programs have a huge mentorship aspect to it that really get to these boys. And, and a lot of times these black boys really early to help mentor them um, and and show them a new world and a new light, um, because when you're inundated with what you know, what what what, what we witness in this country as people it leads you a lot of times down a dark path. And I don't want to sound like these Republican people who will be like, it's all about the video games and TV because it's not. Um, it's more than that. Um, but either way, so that, that's my take on it. So I know, Maxwell, you have to leave soon. So what do we do, right? And I think that the question that I have is like with the asterisk of what do we do in a way that also respects black people's ability and right to own guns because there are a lot of black gun owners that that do respect their guns right and are not shooting up schools and, and all of that like how do we respect that we have a problem that is going on in this country and there should be people uh allowed to own guns for protection of their person their property and and all of that like what do we do now <laughs> Susie, you could go first. Did you? <laughs> Since you chuckled, yeah. go ahead. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, um, you know, with the work that I do, I always get bullets from gun owners, right? Um, and they're legal. They're legally carried. They're licensed to carry. So I get that a lot. And I always hear when I'm asking for a bullet, like, I, I need my bullet. I'm always going to hear that. I need my bullet. I got to protect myself. I got to protect my home. And these are not people that's out here gangbanging. They're not shooting up anywhere. They actually have a gun at home where they want to protect their family, but they're still willing to give up that bullet to me for the cause. So I have to respect that. I'm not going to, I'm not asking for your gun. I'm respecting what you're doing, but I'm just happy that you're giving me up a bullet, giving a bullet because, but the first thing I want to know is, are you locking that gun up? Is it locked up? You know what I mean? Because most guns, most um, accidents that's happening in homes when kids are dying is because of legal gun owners that's carrying gun, that's licensed to carry. They're losing their children by their own guns. So I respect you having your gun. I'm not trying to take it from you. You're, you know, I'm just want to know, are you doing, are you putting your gun away? in your car. I was just now at an event where we was an event and someone broke into a truck and took this man's gun. And we was, he had a run out. He had another gun in his waist and, you know, got, got bullets from him, but someone stole his gun. Now what? He didn't have his gun in a proper place to where 
you know, they didn't see his gun through the, the car. They had to see the gun in the car, the way he had the gun put away. It wasn't put away the right way. So they saw the gun and broke into his truck and took the gun. So now the gun is out and about. God knows where is that and who, you know, what this young people is going to do with the gun. Who, you know, if they're going to shoot it and what they're going to do with it. So um, it's, it's a... Uh, it's a give and take. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not coming after you for your gun. I just want the senseless gun violence to end. I just want these kids that's out here with guns because when they're angry, like we're talking about anger, these kids don't know what to do with their anger. A grown man don't know what to do when he's angry. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. My ex told me that he's going to put a bullet in my head when he see me. I'm a survivor from that. I have to get a restraining order just to survive, hide in a shelter for, for months afraid of my ex-husband and still doing this work that God called me to do. So these young kids growing up, like um, someone said here that we have to have mentorship program. We have to start from young. We got to get them the help right now before it's too late because they mentally don't know what to do with anger. And it do have a lot to do with women because I saw how angry my ex was because I no longer wanted to be with him. He didn't care about anything else. He just wanted me dead because he don't want anybody else to have me. So there's something that has to be done and it goes deeper than that from young. The anger comes from somewhere deep and they do need that help. They have to be something to help these families or these men that don't know what to do with the anger because when a man, that, when a young child don't know what to do with his anger and he have a gun, he's gonna pull that trigger. Because he feel he have nothing to lose, nothing to lose at all. So that's where I'm at with that. I, when it comes to you having a legal gun, as long as you're doing what you need to do with it, you have it put away, you're using it to just protect your home, I cannot come after you for that. I'm coming after the senseless killing. I want it to stop. So how can you help me as a gun owner? That's all I want. Like, how can you help this? If you, if you want the gun, gun violence to stop and you're a gun holder, how can you help us? What can you say to help this gun violence? What, can, what part are you playing in this if you own a gun? That's it. Go ahead, Mailing, and then Maxwell. I think that's something that most of us um, gun violence activists have in common, is that we're not trying to take your guns. Um, I'm not trying to take your gun. I grew up in a house that a household with a gun. Um, however, my uncle definitely has a safe to it and I have no clue where it is. I never did. No one in the house knows exactly where it is. Um, but we do know that it's in the house. Now, my mom told me this, that guns are for birds and burglar burglars, but I don't think that you need an assault rifle for a burglar or a bird. Mm -hmm. If you have to use a assault rifle, to shoot a deer, that means you can't shoot. You know, there's just, there's no reason for you to be out there spraying a forest. Like, if you're really into the sport, then you should really get skilled at it using a regular gun. Um, and when we're talking about, like, gun ownership, I think that's that's pretty much just where I stand when it comes to owning an assault rifle. I do feel like there should be a ban somewhere. Um, now, with handguns, it's a little bit more difficult. One, we do need to get these guns that are trafficked within our community out. And that's going to be a conversation and a can of worms that no one really wants to address, but definitely needs to be figured out. Um, and then there's the ones, I, there's the ones that you could just, you know, you have to wait till you're 21, you know, to get a handgun, but you could buy a rifle at 18. 
And that doesn't make sense to me. Now, those who are responsible gun owners, I respect to having to protect your family. Just just like she said, like hiding it in a place where it's safe is ideal. It is important because, you know, I that's how kids bring their guns to school is because they they knew where their parent was hiding it. And that's a very scary thing to, to think about. You know, like I feel I feel like America when it comes to policy, why should follow um, Japan? Because if you, I, I all, I, you know, advise everyone here that's listening to look up Japan's gun laws and rules on background checks and psychological evaluations and permits and then permits for the actual like gun and then the permits for the actual bullets and then you have to go through like year I think like at least a over a year worth of training to actually own one because what people are not realizing is that guns mean death guns does not mean life guns doesn't mean roses it doesn't mean happy it doesn't mean happiness it means that you're intentionally trying to kill or hurt something and that amount of power like maxwell said that power you should not should not be in the wrong hands point blank and period Yeah, no, I 100% agree, you know, and I think the thing that annoys me a lot about this discourse, especially on, you know, how sometimes the media, the media is, you know, it's like they take one person from one side, one person from the other side who have the craziest beliefs and they battle them out because it's good ratings. But I think a lot of times it creates a very negative environment, you know, when I'm speaking with folks about this issue, especially on the doors. I'll speak with people who are conservative and then we'll talk about it. And then at the end, they're like, oh, you know, I thought you'd be a what gun grabbing liberal you know what i mean (laughs) type of thing and it's like number one there's no one advocating no one's serious advocating to go door to door and just take everybody's guns right that's just not a thing in the ether you know right now um and so for me it's you know having these discussions are so important uh i always talk about like organizing i think organizing a lot of times people naturally just think about protests or this and that, which protest is incredibly important. But half of organizing, uh, more than half of organizing, all of organizing is about winning hearts and minds. And a lot of times that has to do with the education of our people, the education of all people. Um, and then we, we get to that to that common ground where we can actually save people's lives. You know, I also say, I know we're talking about like, you know, the concept of love. And I want to be clear too, like when I'm talking about love, I'm not just saying, oh, yeah, turn turn the other cheek, give me a hug, kumbaya. Like, love can be ruthless and aggressive in its pursuit of justice, um, right? Like, you know, all of our freedom fighters from Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker and Malcolm, like, all the work they were doing was out of love, right? During Black Lives Matter, when I was protesting and getting tear gas, that was out of love. When I went to jail, that, you know, I, that was out of love. You know, running for office right now, I call my platform, you know, a love letter to my community. So, you know, I just want to be clear. I think it has to I use that word because it really has to do with the fact that we have this righteous anger. And when we transform it into a radical love that's rooted in in those values, we last longer in this work. Because as humans, we are just wired to love longer than we are to hate. That's why grudges are so hard to keep up for so long. It's so emotionally laborious. And so even out of self-preservation as someone, you know, in the work, like 
leading with love has just number one made my work better uh but number two has made me better and i'm just so fortified in that in that when i close my eyes in that vision of the future and no one can shake me out of it uh no matter how low i get um as far as you know what we need to do i mean i was in band class my whole life my band director always said all the things all the time and that's like the motto of my campaign that's the motto of my organizing we need it all and i'm in a lot of different spaces where people go i hate electoral politics you know screw that or people who go screw protests it does nothing or people say screw mutual aid look it's we need everything to get to the place we want to be at doesn't mean you have to participate in everything at the organizer level um but you know when it comes down to mutual aid when you be a part of those networks when you see those requests donate when people like susan are doing this work donate uh, volunteer help them because mutual mutual aid and violence intervention is about saying this system is messed up. We take care of us. We need that, right, to save lives. The second thing, protests, the mass education of people, hearts and minds, culture change. That's incredibly important as well because what that does is it inspires convictions in people that changes their lives. You know, when you have these mass protests, Black Lives Matter, it radicalizes millions of people at the same time. It does, like, a lot of work for us real quickly and it changes the way people think and they might not all become activists and organizers the next day but i'll tell you what when they become managers in the workplace when they become teachers when they become uh you know when they're at church when they're talking with friends that vision of justice gets intertwined with their personality and who they are and we just live in a better world and i think that is really important as well the last thing i'll say on the electoral side is i think it's important to vote it's important to get good people in office to get michelle rayners to get honest gamani's and angie nixon's and mondier jones's right like we need these type of people and and uh and, and janelle perez's we need these type of people and maxwell frost now but we need these type of people fighting not just for us but with us um and you know i know michelle would love this like policy has to be about love right i mean policy and love have to be intertwined with one another and when it comes down to it we need people who understand that you know the flow of money can really equal justice for us you know like when we're appropriating money for you know programs in our communities let's get some money to susan right Boys and Girls Club, they, they they need some money, but not not as much as they're getting right now, right? Like they got a development department, they can raise their money. So the Susans need some money, right? And and I think getting movement oriented people into uh into places of power, um, it's gonna help us expand that real grassroots work. So, um, yeah, thank you all so much for having me on today. I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> can I just Maxwell, say this real quick? I was gonna My say Lindsay's gonna jump in. <laughs> I have two things. Money. This is a max. My my Twitter has now become a Maxwell Frost Dan account. That's all. That's all I wanted to say. Michelle, you gotta close out though. You gotta say more than that, unless that's it. I mean, it's the Maxwell. Like he said it all. Like what, what? I mean, like you know when you need to do the benediction. Like he said it all. Like what are we gonna say? My account is now a Maxwell Frost Dan account. And um, we need to give him money so he can get to Congress. And yeah, please. Uh, do. And <laughs> and um, I, I don't know what else he said at all. He literally said it all. The end. Go. That sounds like uh, an endorsement to me, Maxwell. Put that on a graphic. Put it on Twitter. L um, listen, don't see Jazzy. Look at Jazzy. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm just, I'm just saying. Just you, you don't even have to call it an endorsement. Just quote her, and you can put it on the Twitter. <laughs> May Ling, do you want to close us out? I don't even know how to beat that. <laughs> um, I think the only way I could close out is just um, thinking, thanking everybody to making this a safe space. Um, I haven't been really active in my activism, my advocacy. Um, in regards to gun violence in two years, because it's just been, it's, it was a lot for me, especially, um, you know, going out into the world, being an adult, I hate it here. Um, but also trying to heal from my PTSD, um, getting the help that I needed. And now that I'm getting back into my platform, getting back into my story and my experience and my advocacy, um, I feel, you know, I'm very selective on what I do so I could, you know, keep my peace. However, um, well, not even however, I've, I've just, I just found a really healthy place with you guys. And I really do appreciate Florida Black Girls. And I appreciate everyone here for listening and staying out long as you guys did, even though we had our moment where we fell off for a second, but we back. You know, we back and we we finished it out and I love you guys. And, you know, I guess we need to start. We just need to start spraying more love. So I love you. I love you. I love you. Everyone listening. I love you. Your family. I love you. And thank you. Thank you so much, May Ling. To the folks that joined us initially and rejoined us, we're so grateful that you're here with us and listening to this conversation. As always, if you are in a position of power, if you are a candidate, if you work for a candidate, Mei Ling gave us some very clear accountability on what your press conference is, what your actions, what your speaking programs need to look like if you're talking about gun violence. It doesn't have to be the same. It should not be um, the same white people, the same white faces over and over again that are being called to speak when there's so many people that are impacted by violence, especially in this moment. Uh, of white supremacy on the rise and running rampant. Uh, so just remember that when you attend a rally on Saturday uh, with March for Our Lives, acknowledging what is going on with guns in this country, if it's an all-white speaking program, uh, demand some accountability. Ask where the other folks are. Um, and for tonight, we're also asking you to contribute to the people that have been on this call. Um, May Ling put a, an ask out for Chainless Change. Maxwell Frost is running for Congress. Michelle Rayner is running for re-election. And Susan is doing the Lord's work um, down in South Florida. So find them. All of their Twitter profiles are here uh, and contribute to the work that they're doing. Thank you all so much for being here uh, for this necessary, nuanced, uh, and late conversation. And we will see you all in a couple weeks for the last episode of the season. Uh, thank you, everyone, and have a good night. Happy Tuesday. Thanks, y'all. Good night. Thank you, guys. Good night, everybody.